Hi, it's Kate Brownfield from ADHDKidsCanThrive.com. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and all of your support. My guest today is Kay Vaughn, a clinical team leader for an organization called Team Wonder that serves kids from the age of 12 to their late 20s who are really struggling. Team Wonder can handle things like intense family dynamics, kids who are stepping down or stepping into wilderness programs, residential programs, IOPs. They can support kids who are therapied out and need something different like activity-based therapy. They can help families who need alternative to wraparound services. They can provide individual support. They can help stabilize acute issues. There's help. So anyway, enjoy my conversation today with Kayvon. We're going to talk about the vital role parents and families play when a child is struggling. Please enjoy. All right, Kayvon, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start um, with your expertise and wisdom, if you will, about um, how parents and the family system can impact a child with ADHD. Yeah, I think that's a great starting point for us. You know, ADHD is something that tends to affect not only the individual, especially when we're talking about children, but also tends to have an impact on the family, siblings, everybody kind of has some way of responding and reacting. And I think when we're looking at parental involvement and the support and care that they can provide, it's really helpful to just understand that, you know, this is not necessarily something that kids with ADHD are wanting to display in terms of their behaviors. It's usually coming down to an inability they have to regulate. And so finding ways as a family to support that and Maybe that's providing them their own time to just kind of regulate or cooperating and participating with them in a group or collective form of self-regulation. Yeah. Okay. And so does the parent have an effect on a child who may be dysregulated? How important is it for mom and dad to be regulated when their child is showing signs of dysregulation? Yes, that's a great, that's a great point to bring up, Kate. I think when we're looking at the way in which ADHD behaviors impact everybody in the family differently, you know, one of the things that might happen is that parents themselves can get dysregulated just like everyone else. And when that happens, it's important to realize that that relationship then has a strain on it. And we want to be sure that as parents going into these interactions with our children, that each one of them is going to have a significant impact. And maintaining or building upon an already existing attachment that's there. And that attachment serves a really important function, not only for how the relationships within that family operate, but for how relationships are going to unfold for the person with ADHD in their future and in the way that they see relationships. So if a parent is able to regulate in a healthy way, they're going to be able to provide a secure place for their child to come when they're having difficulties, when they can't regulate, and thereby being able to model it for their kids. Right. And what would be some ways like a parent could model that for their child? So mm -hmm. like if their child's like melting down, right, and it's kind of maybe becoming a daily occurrence for the child. Let's say they're in school, right? School is stressful. Every day they come home, they're melting down, right? Because they're overstimulated. They've had a tough day. It's like consistently hard on the kid, right? And they direct all that to the parent. So 
what would you recommend for the how for a parent to stay regulated when their child is really having a hard time? Yeah, so I think I think so, especially with being able to build some routine and some structure around children's lives who have ADHD is really helpful, especially as you start to get to know when those times are that there tends to be dysregulation that we can start to set up different types of activities. So if the kid is involved in a sport, then, you know, making sure, well, you know, you got to get to practice. Let's figure out what we need to do to get you there, helping them be more prepared, more organized. You know, a lot of the ways in which the ADHD symptoms manifest are in these executive functioning deficits. And so, you know, some parents have tension within themselves. Well, how much of this should I do for them? And how much of this should I... should I, you know, leave up to them to do, right? This independent right. independence dichotomy that we're all facing as kids grow up. And so being able to figure out what's the appropriate sort of developmental place that they are and being able to support them. So you might be teaching them for a while how to clean their room, right? It's not yeah. just, I showed you that one time, this is how you clean your room. No, this is like something that maybe they need to have once or twice a week. Hey, we're going to set a timer for 10 minutes and we're just going to clean together. And I'm going to kind of help you reorganize things because these are skills that don't come naturally to kids with ADHD. We can think about organization and time management, even sometimes being able to initiate a task. They might just feel stuck and that anxiety precludes them from taking action forward. So really thinking about if you're able to provide a clear and consistent set of discipline so it's not disproportionate when you're feeling dysregulated, you want to make sure that there's sort of an understanding of how the rules work so that nothing sets them off in a way that's unpredictable. Right, right. So setting accommodations. And I think what you said, Kayvon, too, is like, you know, it's meeting them where your child is at versus where their peer group may be at, right? So if yeah. their yeah. uh, their friends you hear from their friends parents that they're cleaning their room no problems or you you know they're able to just say go clean your room before you go do something and that happens without any kind of family conflict that that's not necessarily what you should expect in your own home with your ADHD child yeah and i think that you know another way of making sure that relationship is there is being able to validate their emotions. You know, you can say that I understand why you're feeling frustrated right now. And that doesn't mean it's okay at the same time to throw something. We need to find other ways and work on that together. So instead of kind of putting shaming and saying that this is something, you know, that's totally intolerable, it's validating the emotion first, because it's not all that that they want to have that emotion when they're having it, or they want to be distracted when they're distracted. So kind of helping ways to bring them back into the fold versus having this unrealistic expectation around what their specific strengths or weaknesses might be. Yeah. Okay. And what are some other ways parents, what are some communication tools parents can use to bring their ADHD child back into the fold? Yeah. What are the, what are the words? Yeah. So I would say active listening is one, right? So a lot of times when you're talking to a kid with ADHD, it can sound like a story that's not going anywhere and we're pretty quick to try to cut them off. But I think finding the right types of questions to ask them, things that they're especially interested in, being able to really help them expand upon those things, 
rather than getting frustrated with, you know, them having difficulty with how they're expressing it. So just kind of being able to practice active listening and also modeling again for them how to use I statements. So when you're dysregulated yourself saying, you know, I feel frustrated right now because this happened and, you know, here's how what I want to try to do about it. So creating some structure in how you yourself as a parent are working through emotions so that it's not something for them to feel fearful of and getting into this sort of experiential avoidance, like I don't want to feel anything. And again, focusing sort of on the present moment. It's really easy to get caught up in that thing that happened last week or catastrophize about what might happen in the future. And the more you can really get present and notice those signs of when your child is starting to look dysregulated or what they might need can be really helpful in setting them up for success so they don't get in a pattern of practicing those behaviors. Because a lot of the behavioral interventions for ADHD are just that. It's it's constantly using very structured ways of setting timers and, and getting someone to get use a planner, things that are oriented around what some of their deficits are. Mm-hmm. So being able to kind of support them in building those structures while at the same time recognizing that, yeah, there are some limitations and not to take that out on them. Yeah, that is the dance. So how does a parent evolve themselves as a parent and keep skills growing and the connection going with their child as they grow? That's a great question. Yeah, so you want to adapt your approach. So as your child is getting more mature and taking on more responsibilities, there's a need to adjust your parenting strategies accordingly. And that might look different, again, going back to how each kid develops and what sort of things they're afforded in terms of privileges and what sort of things they may not yet be ready for. So the real focus at that time period, especially as they're transitioning towards adolescence, as a lot of the clients that I work with are, We want to encourage independence. So we're teaching them to be self-reliant and rely on their own decision-making skills, not just, you know, would I do this thing, yes or no, because it's going to make mom or dad upset with me, but really getting into the decision-making, well, how is this going to, you know, play out in the future for my life or thinking about this more consequentially, which tends to be a deficit when there's a lot of impulsivity. Yeah. And thinking beyond the now, right? especially for teenagers, right? It's this tenuous time of staying connected and helping them stay out of trouble, but also learning how, letting them be independent and learn, right? Right. And from a neurobiological developmental perspective, you know, the primitive part of their brain, the emotionally highly charged part, the amygdala is more developed than the prefrontal cortex. So They are all stuck, all adolescents, whether they have ADHD or not, are stuck in this conundrum of what am I I supposed to do about the fact that my emotions are a lot more amplified than my current cognitive abilities are able to help me sort through. And that's a real challenging of the sort of maturation process, if you will, for adolescents. But keeping in mind with ADHD, there may be a lot of things to look out for, especially, you know, the shame that might be there or the frustration and how those emotions can get, again, dysregulated without those structures being in place. So if you have a kid that, you know, has ADHD and they're moving into adolescence and they don't have any sort of activity or hobby that they do besides playing video games, well, 
maybe it's time to really think about what they need to be in a sport or in a club, a place where they're getting some social co-regulation because a lot of their relationships are going to now shift from being family focused to now being peer group focused. Mm -hmm. And that's just a part of the developmental process. And I'm sure every parent of an adolescent can tell you, it's like, they don't want to hang out with me anymore. They're just always with yeah. them. And that's, that's normal. It's, it's kind of what you want for them. If they aren't doing that, it might be a sign that something is amiss or they're struggling to make those relationships. So Okay, so you made a good point because especially boys, ADHD or not, tend to fall into that video game play as a as a dominant way of them doing socializing. And is that good for an ADHD boy or girl? I don't want to keep anyone out of this conversation, but like as they grow into adolescence, is that really serving them? I think it's important to realize what function those video games are serving a lot of the times you know one of the benefits of video games and don't put that in a way that i'm very supportive of video games in general but it sort of sets people up with a dopamine loop right they can begin a task and then once that task has been completed you achieve a level it's a feeling of accomplishment that happens and a lot of adhd kids and kids that are not uh, struggling with ADHD tend to get hooked into that sort of early yeah. on. They really like video games. They really like video games. And this is actually the nature of the game that they tend to like the most is kind of finding a way to get a successful completion of something, right? Because ADHD kids oftentimes are struggling to get things started or turned in at school or, you know, they but when they play a video game, they can sit there and complete a level and then complete another level. And so this builds a sense of confidence, I think. Um, yeah. Clients that I see. So finding ways for them to experience confidence in other domains in their life is just important to balance that out. So that doesn't become the only place where they're feeling positive emotion. Yeah. And to build some social skills, as you said, in those teen years. Absolutely. Or to have a social group that's more I, it's more structured right they can be social in a more structured environment yeah and that feedback is just it's so important you know because there can be something you say 10 times as a parent to your child and their friend says it like once or twice and it's right. like <laughs> my buddy said this really insightful thing the other day and you're just sitting there like what? yeah i told you this like 20 times or <laughs> yeah that's true Okay, Kayvon, you gave, well, you got in a conversation before this podcast, but I wanted to talk about this because I learned this the hard way, which is why parents should not ask why their ADHD child is doing something or not doing something. So, so tell us why we shouldn't say why when we're talking to our children. Yeah. So what what that comes from is just a, an understanding that when we're asking that question, it sort of presupposes that there's an answer that they can give you that's like all that clear, right? Because a right. Lot of when someone does something, it's impulsive, it wasn't planned, and then they do it, and you ask them why, it seems a bit accusatory, right? If right. We, if we really understand what their limits are and the challenges that they face. That's the question then can shift from, you know, why did you do that to maybe, hey, what happened here? Or tell me more about what you were thinking when, you know, this thing took place or, you know, how are you feeling when so-and-so said this to you, right? So that 
you're asking questions that get them to think in ways that there isn't, you know, a wrong or right answer, but that they are kind of opening up more about their thoughts. And this ties into this notion that if we can really develop relationship with them, then as they develop further, we're going to have the ability to have an influence and also be able to support them when things are really going in a negative direction for them. Right. And hopefully they'll come to you before it gets too bad, right? If you have a good relationship with them. Yeah. So it, it helps them, you know, think about their own motivations and their emotions behind their behavior versus kind of saying like, what you did was bad. Like there's generally a sense that oftentimes they, they understand that. Um, so you turn the conversation into more of a learning experience. Like what are some other things you could have done or how might you want to handle that in the future, right? Versus, you know, you shouldn't do this, you should do that, right? That's a, it becomes a very judgmental conversation. And a lot of kids that do have ADHD will shut down and people think again, you know, they're not, they're not paying attention, but they do also oftentimes get unmotivated if, you know, they keep running into the same thing over and over. We want to try to help them figure out and navigate pathways through those challenges. Yeah. Okay. So Kayvon, you usually work with teenagers. They come to you for support and guidance, right? Or they may be where there's tension in the family or they're not thriving in the family or they're just having a hard time in life. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the clients that we're working with have you know, different challenges, psychological challenges that they're working through. And we come in and try to support both the parents and the individual to, you know, figure things out and find a solution that helps them move forward. Yeah. Okay. So what would be your advice to parents who do have a child who's struggling with ADHD and probably other things as well? Like what advice would you give a family who is trying to maybe not go down the path of having to have a ton of interventions. I mean, maybe it's required. Is it always required that ADHD kids need outside support outside of the family? Or is it possible for parents to have their child grow up and, and do okay? Yeah, I think, I think sometimes there can be other factors such as like a structure that's already built into the lifestyle of a family or a child that makes it so that despite the symptoms that they might have from ADHD, they're actually able to find ways of co-regulating, ways of getting out some of their energy, you know, and if they're not getting those things, then they need the additional support very likely. So I think when you're setting up your family to provide the type of support that your ADHD child might need, you know, establishing routines and structures. So having that consistent routine provides the predictability and stability so that there's, and it also promotes this communication that happens within the family about what's going on. And so there's, there's more understanding that's shared. The second thing I would say is promoting physical activity. So this helps improve focus, attention, and emotion regulation, especially as they're getting to that adolescent stage of development, we really want to make sure that the physical activity is something that they're leaning into as a way of getting themselves regulated. Because before, you know, their mind is not something that they're all that in control of a lot of the times, even though we, we sort of treat them as such. Yeah. And it's daily, right? It's daily exercise. Yes. Yes. And especially along that, you know, 
being in nature is one of the other things. So we talked a little bit about screen time, but nature itself and kids that go on hikes, they've done some studies around this where it has these improved improved measures on focus and attention. So being out in nature somewhat restores any of our distractibility when we get a chance to do that. And so a lot of the work that I do, I'll go with clients and we'll go on hikes and be able to just kind of take in the different senses of the sounds that we hear, the sights, being able to notice our own breath changing as the hike gets more challenging. All these different experiential ways of tuning in can help prepare people to be more regulated when they're facing situations that are outside of their control. Yeah. And you know what? The way our society is built, it's like against all of these things that you're re- you're recommending, right? Yeah. Like you really have to make an effort to go against the way our society is built to support your child, right? Yes. Like most kids don't even get to walk to school anymore or you know, parents are afraid to let their child walk to school, you know, or ride their bike. And it's almost like if they do have ADHD, you're better off. The risk is worth them riding their bike to school than not riding their bike to school, right? Because if it's close enough. Yeah. Because they'll really benefit from being outside and moving their bodies and that kind of thing. It's a challenge. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I think, you know, going back to some of the lifestyle factors, being able to have your child in a sport is just so beneficial because not only are they getting typically in a team sport, this social co-regulation that takes place, being part of a team, yeah, but also they're having to show up, they're having to be responsible, they're having to be a part of something. And that ability to get out and have to go to practice can help them manage their emotions better when they're exercising and getting physical activity. It's yeah. Sometimes the clients that I worry about are the ones that are stuck at home kind of playing video games. So the more we can make that shift to and the other negative downside typically of video games is the impacts it has on healthy sleep habits, which is another thing that I think parents really want to help support their ADHD children with making sure that they're getting regular sleep and adequate sleep so it's optimal for their brain function. Yeah. So limit the screen time. Yes, limit the screen time as much as possible. As but, long, yeah, as long, long as you can. And offer, you know, alternatives. It has to be with balance with something that's also fun and exciting, not just, yeah. well, now this is off. Go find something else to do. Right. <laughs> Oh, it never ends, the parenting. Okay, so Kayvon, as we wrap up, what would be your words of wisdom for parents who have ADHD kids? So I would just say that you want to embrace your child's unique strength, finding a way for them to channel the energy that they have into something productive, something that they get excited about is really a way for them to build those skills of focus and attention and staying motivated because those are a lot of the things that they struggle with when it comes to other activities. Utilize patience, understanding. So recognizing that things are going to be challenging at times, but also being patient with yourself as a parent and you know, giving yourself grace when you need it and being able to communicate with each other about, you know, if you're you know, lucky enough to have a partner that you're working with that you guys can support one another in times where one feels maybe less regulated than the other and communicating about that. Also with your kids celebrating their achievements, you want to recognize and celebrate their accomplishments, even when they seem like small things, because that can help 
set them up for being motivated to do it again in the future. So I really noticed that you did this and that's great. I really appreciate when you clean that up without us even asking. And they'll notice that and I take that with them. And you can seek professional support when you need it. So seeking support from places like where I work at Wonder or individual therapists and finding ways to, again, kind of get them out there in the community. I think being out in nature, being out playing sports, being really active is helpful for regulating that emotional system for young people. It's yeah, it's something that I do think, as you mentioned, our society is missing a little bit. So so, Kayvine, how do you work with kids? Because I think you're a therapist, right? So yeah. you actually take your kids out, like you just mentioned, like right into nature, going on hikes. So can you just talk as we wrap up, like how you work with a child versus like a traditional talk therapist, if you will? Yeah. So our program at Wonder typically involves a two-hour individual session once per week with the individual, which is typically an adolescent, and then a parent coach who calls the parents, talks to them once per week for about an hour. And then throughout the month, there's one family therapy session that we all kind of get together and talk about what everybody's been working on and make sure everyone's on the same page because there can be a lot of confusion. And especially when kids turn to adolescence, they start to have their own opinions a little bit more. And so we want to be able to foster that and incorporate that perspective into the family session in a healthy and mature way. And individually in my sessions, I think it it really varies on each client that I work with, but it can be anything from us going to a rock climbing gym to, like you said, going on hikes or walking out on the beach somewhere, just being able to find places in nature or maybe even just in the community if somebody wanted to go get a coffee, where they can sort of practice the experiential piece of just being in relationship, but also being aware of themselves and their surroundings. And it gives me a perspective as a clinician working with them and how they evolve and adapt in different environments, You know how they're talking to different people that they may come across. And I think it just provides a whole new lens for how to do therapy. And one of the things that I've found incredibly beneficial, especially when we ran into the pandemic, was being able to do talk therapy outside, working with clients. And yeah, that's great. Right. It just, yeah. And when you take them out, do you, you're having a little bit of therapy or you're doing therapeutic work while you're out? I just think that's so cool for ADHD kids because I think it's really hard for them to one, talk about their feeling or express, like really be able to get down to what's going on in their life when they're still so young. And two, it's not that exciting to sit and across yeah. the room and yeah, talk to somebody. It's not the most stimulating thing to be doing. So I do think this is great, like that you can go out with a, a kid who's having a hard time, right? Make it a little bit more interesting, but also do therapeutic work with them. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, how much of the time is, you know, therapeutically oriented? How much are we really focusing in on each of these things? And I think it's a great question, but most people who spent time with adolescents will recognize that, as you said, they're not typically, whether they have ADHD or not, they're not typically excited about the prospect of sitting across face to face from someone in this sort of adversarial almost manner where someone's going to talk to you about how you're feeling and thinking. And so 
I think it's a lot easier when you're kind of driving in the car with them to just check in and see how things have been going or, you know, what's come up for you this week. And those 15 to 30 minutes that might be a lot more oriented has time to be absorbed throughout the session. Yeah. It gives them time to sort of process and consider sort of what they've done in the experiential activity, you know them being able to kind of select what they want to go do and you know why'd you want to go bike riding today what made you think about that and i think it just gives you an insight into their lives that you don't necessarily get when someone's coming into the office and that just perspective is so valuable when we're working with people is you know we see them and it's always our job and our roles to try to understand them in different domains of their life. And so in the work that I do, I'm very fortunate to kind of get to see that um, both within their family context, but also kind of being out in the real world with them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great resource for families. So good to know. All right, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure, Kate, thank you. Yeah.